Dear LifeSite family, it is a great privilege that we have a very special guest in our main studio today, the great defender of truth and inspiring advocate for life, family, faith, and freedom, the Auxiliary Bishop of Kazakhstan, His Excellency Athanasius Schneider. On behalf of all of you, we will be addressing in a three-part series some of the most pressing issues and developments in the church and the world today. With subversive operations surrounding the church in what seems like even greater intensity, it's important now more than ever that we offer prayers of petition to our Lord to see us through these trying times and guide us evermore into His truth. To fully honor your spiritual union with us at LifeSite and on this occasion of His Excellency's visit with us in this three-part series, we've asked all of our financial supporters to submit their prayer intentions as Bishop Schneider leads us in prayer. We've chosen 10 special intentions at random, which I will share with you all now. We pray for the good health of David Thompson, sent by Catherine T., Margaret S.'s grandchildren preparing for confirmation. Easter T's healing from metastatic cancer. Eric S.'s mom and stepdad's reversion to the faith. The Pope and bishops of the Catholic Church in union with him that they be more configured to the person of Christ, that truth, justice, and tradition may prevail in all our world. Sent by Jaron S. Cindy Wise family, especially for the healing of baby Emmerich from leukemia and Brian's marriage. The improvement in health of Alvin W.'s wife Mary. Carmelite traditional sisters seeking a safe place to live their charism and vocations sent by Darren W. Richard B.'s daughter Kathleen amidst the scourge of addictions. All Catholics to be fully surrendered to God and that they will preserve in their faith, sent by J.H. I want to thank everyone who submitted prayer intentions and know that you and your loved ones are offered in our prayers at LifeSite every day. We hope you will appreciate the prayer offered from Bishop Schneider and the rest of our three-part conversation, which we will turn to now. And may God bless you. Dear LifeSite family, we have such a treat for you today. We have with us in our main studio uh, in the U.S., Bishop Athanasius Schneider. You all know him so well. He is the Auxiliary Bishop of Astana in Kazakhstan, but he is so well known as the greatest voice on life, faith, family, and freedom alive in the world today. For this episode of the John Henry Weston Show, I know you're going to want to stay tuned. So, Bishop Schneider, it's so good to be with you. Would you mind uh, starting us off with a short prayer? So, let us pray for these intentions and entrust this to Our Lady, to her intercession, to her Immaculate Heart. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tui moleribus et benedictus fructus ventris tu Jesus, Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatorum. Nuncat in hora mortis nostre. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicut in principio. 
in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen. It is so good to be with you, Excellency. Um, and thank you for visiting uh, with our studio there in Front Royal. It's so beautiful to be with you. Now, I have a question for you. You just wrote a book on the, on the Holy Mass. Uh, what's the name of your book? The Catholic Mass, and the subtitle is Steps to Restore the Centrality of God in the Liturgy. Beautiful book, beautiful cover. Um, I witnessed your conversation about it a little bit on, on Raymond Arroyo's program on EWTN. I had a question, and it's it's quite a difficult question with regard to the uh, liturgy right now. We know it's being restricted with Traditionis Custodis and how that's playing out. We've already seen various bishops apply to the Vatican for permission to say the Mass, the traditional Mass, had that permission granted, but only in very limited parishes, um, and then a permission only lasting two years. So very much with the... Uh, giving the the sense that even that permission will be removed and it might not be renewed. So it very much seems like the want to fully stop the traditional Mass is very much there. It's very evident. So in these situations where now many, many, many traditional faithful who don't have access to the fraternity, which right now is still able to, to offer the, the traditional Mass, but I think the vast majority of people who experience the Latin Mass were able to do so at their parishes, their normal parishes, in diocesan communities where they're now being massively restricted. So for a good portion of Catholics who love the traditional Mass, it's no longer available. In these situations, at least in the past, I remember in the 80s when, when, when people were looking for uh, traditional Mass, couldn't get to them. The Vatican gave permission to attend the Mass of the Society of Pius X, even though there was consternation with it. They were not uh, regularized with Rome. But certain bishops, certain cardinals even, have suggested that such a thing is not possible, um, that the society is now in schism, and therefore any participation in the Mass with the society is a schismatic act, so that even if you have no access to the traditional Mass at all, you must forgo such a thing because you're participating in schism. I ask you this question because, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were the official visitator to the SSPX, to the Society of uh, Pius X, for the Vatican. And so I think your voice on this matter might be quite uh, important. I think that uh, the Vatican will not succeed to forbid totally the traditional Latin Mass. Even if they will try to do this, they will not succeed. They will um, cause a, a wide, large counter-reaction because they will be, the, the good Catholics, they will go underground and they will not stop them. They cannot because those already two generations at least grown up in this traditional Latin Mass, and they were shaped all their, their spiritual life, they will not abandon this. Their faith is so strong, and this prohibition will be probably a, a dead letter, and it will not last long. This is my perception. 
The second question about this Society of Pius X, it's surely not schismatic in Norway. This is simply not true. Or if someone is saying this, it's a very narrow legalistic view of the reality of the church in which we are now. Such a view is putting the letter of the canon law be above the importance, the primary, primary importance of the fullness of the Catholic faith and of the traditional liturgy. This is above a pure letter of a canon in the canon encoded of canon law. And the concept of schism is also not clarified, not, not um, yet good. We have to clarify this concept also, because one can have a very narrow view of schism and a broader view. And all these terms are subordinated to the greatest uh, law in Code of Canon Law, which is the salvation of souls, is the greatest law. And so we have to look this. Schism is only traditionally uh, in the first centuries, in the first millennium, when there was a, a concrete intent of a bishop, of a priest, to build up his own parallel church, not naming more the Pope, refusing any uh, connection with the Pope, uh, it's not only the question of subordination, it is the question of the will to have, to desire to have um, uh, canonical community with the Pope. And this is expressed in, firstly, in the Holy Mass, when a priest and a bishop is naming the Pope, the current Pope, in the canon of the, in the Eucharist, because the Holy Eucharist is the greatest uh, expression of the unity in the church, also naming the all local bishop, and the Society of Pisces is doing this always, and even publicly praying and chanting for the Pope Francis. And uh, so those people who are saying that they are schismatics, I would wish to them to visit at least the seminaries of the Society of Pisces. I would wish that they visit the big parishes, the great parishes, and the lay people, the families, the youth of the Society of Pius X, and they, cannot, they will be moved by their true, true, authentic Catholic faith and by their respect for the Pope Francis, for the local bishop. This, they, you will be moved by this. And after you have visited them, in my case, I was one of the visitators six years ago, sent by the Holy See, you will not be able to say they are schismatics. And, uh, and then another aspect we have to, uh, to take into account. Uh, Pope Francis granted ordinary faculties of confession, uh, habitual, ordinary, universal faculties of confession to the priests of the Society of Pius X, how are the Roman pontiff could grant such faculties, which is a jurisdictional faculty, to a schismatic priest? It is a contradiction against the canon law. And so in this case, the Pope is de facto interpreting the canon law and saying, by granting them the ordinary faculties of holy confession, 
by granting them uh, the possibility to uh, assist canonically the, the marriages with the approval of the local parish or the ordinary, by these acts of the Roman pontiff, uh, it's declaring them de facto implicitly they are not schismatics, but they could not be schismatic uh, priests doing such acts of jurisdiction. And I repeat, by their own <clears throat> intentions and facts, they are not schismatics because the situation of the crisis of the church is so extraordinary. It is so an emergency situation that uh, the temporary, unregularized situation of the Society of Pius X is justified temporarily. And they all desire so much, and Archbishop Lefebvre I desired deeply to be full recognized by the Holy See. This was their only desire, to, and this desire continues, and this matters. And because of the presence of this desire of to be fully under the control of the Holy See, which they also was, always had, Archbishop Lefebvre, and I assume the superiors of the society today, but at the same time, because of the, the Holy See is occupied by hostile takeover, said Cardinal Müller re recently. The Holy See is, is, un, uh, is takeover hostile by those who like to dilute the Catholic faith and the Catholic liturgy. Because of this temporary situation that the Holy See is occupied since decades, more or less, by, by powers who like to adapt the Catholic faith or to the Protestants or to, the, and, and even worse, to the unbelieving world. This is our situation. And the situation that, that the, the Society of Pius X is not able currently, temporarily, to be fully uh, under the control and submission to the Holy See is justified and is in no way schismatic. Just a quick note before we return. If you would like to stay up to date on LifeSite's coverage of the latest life, family, and culture news, subscribe to one of our many newsletters by going to lifesitenews.com slash subscribe. And if you'd like to help us bring our truth-telling coverage to millions around the world, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation at give.lifesitenews.com. And now, back to the video. It's now also been some time. We spoke of communion in the hand, which was forced by most of the, of the church, most of the bishops, even on the traditional mass priests, um, refusing it either altogether or, or permitting it only on the hand. Some dioceses still having that in place right now. But you spoke of the abuse that that is in and of itself because of the trampling of our Lord under people's feet, as happens when the particles of the host, the communion host, uh, is you know consumed from your hand, and then the particles go onto the floor. In addition to that, we also had the church closures for so long. But I've heard many priests say, I won't do that again. What is your take now, having gone through and lived through this and watched so many of your brother priests suffer this way, of your brother bishops mandate this kind of thing, 
what's your take on this situation and where we are now in the church on both communion in the hand and, and church closures? First, communion in hand is one of the grievous phenomenons and evils within the church. I would say the most grievous because we are trampling our Lord on the feet in our churches, that the Lord, His Majesty, hidden in this tiny, small fragment of the host or a particular part of the host is trampled. And this is so grievous and evil. We cannot simply continue. We must, as soon as possible, stop this. Uncompromisingly stop. Enough. We cannot continue to trample our Lord on the feet and to treat him like a, a, a cake uh, and so on. So this is the first. The lockdowns and the, closure and the closing of churches and so on was uh, even made by bishops where the government did not require it even sometimes. It was a demonstration, a lamentable demonstration of the state of faith of these bishops and in this way also of the Holy See, that they preferred the temporal to the eternal. They considered more important the short temporal life to the salvation of souls. And it was uh, in, in some way a logical consequence of the last decade since the Council, where the Church leadership turned one-sided uh, to the temporal affairs, to the, to the temporal life, to the detriment uh, of the eternal life, of the supernatural life. And this was simply a logical consequence, the lockdowns or the closing of the churches. I hope that those priests who collaborated in, in closing the churches will in future learn from this and gain more courage uh, not to do this in the future because they have to to respond this before the eternal judge Jesus Christ. He will show them how the, all these closed um, holy masses, all these closed sources of graces which this priest and bishop closed to the faithful who had famine uh, to the sacraments, to the eternal life. And so I think, I hope that they will uh, not repeat this. And uh, also reminding that in the times of, of um, epidemics and the plague, let us say, the church, the bishops, on the contrary, increased holy masses. They were creative. St. Charles Borromeo, in the time of the plague in Milan, he ordered that almost in every corner of the city in public and the open air will celebrate the Holy Mass that people could assist from their windows the Holy Mass to participate in the sacrifice of Christ. And this was an example. And he himself went uh, at the risk of his life to administer the sacraments to the dying uh, plague people, but the, the COVID 
epidemic or it was not a plague because we have really to distinguish this was not at this extent and so it is basically a question of faith it is was a question of what is the priority in the church and the covid lockdown situation demonstrated openly to the entire world that the majority of the leadership in the church preferred the short temporal material life to the eternity we have to return to the primacy of christ and the primacy of eternity hi everyone this is john henry weston we hope you enjoyed this video and to see more like this be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from lifesite news so check out our links in the description to read more, sign up for our newsletter, and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all of the latest life, family, and culture news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.